Welcome to the Later in Life Planning Show with Patrick Colley, brought to you by Keystone Elder Law, right here on News Radio WHP 580. Now, here's your host, Patrick Colley. Hello, and thank you for joining me for another episode of the Later in Life Planning Show, sponsored by Keystone Elder Law. I'm Patrick Colley, and you know, at Keystone Elder Law, we are constantly trying to talk and educate people about uh, building that shield to protect yourself from the challenges and the costs that come later in life. And a lot of what we're doing is estate planning tools like wills and trusts and powers of attorney. But regular listeners of this show know that I want to feature other professionals who offer uh, important services that are that I don't offer, but that are are crucial to your later in life planning. One of those services is going to involve planning your burial, cremation, funeral, whatever your plan turns out to be. If you're listening to this driving around in your car, maybe not the happiest of topics, but then again, neither is what I talk about with planning your will and getting sick and passing away. But as you know, these are things that are coming your way, and and I want, hopefully in this episode, to drive home the point that planning your funeral in advance, especially has emotional benefits, it has financial benefits, and there's a lot of details that you can be thinking about uh, that is part of your legacy, just as much as the legacy that I talk about when we're doing the estate planning tools, when everybody's healthy and everybody's calm and happy. So I think that it makes sense for a lot of people to do pre-planning, and you probably do too, because if, if you lose a loved one, you're grieving, and you probably want to spend time with family but without pre-planning, you have to deal with some details involving the funeral, where the money's coming from, and so forth. So to speak on this topic, I am very excited to have with me today Jill Lazar from Hoffman Funeral Home and Crematory in Carlisle. Jill, thank you so much for sharing your time and your expertise on this subject. Thanks, Patrick. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So, you know, I just sort of set the table for why I think that working funeral pre-planning, and I'm saying funeral generally, even if there's not an actual funeral service, but burial, cremation, funeral planning into the planning that people do for the later years of life, why it makes a lot of sense. So let's start with some of the the emotional benefits, since that's that was the first category I, I mentioned. What are the emotional benefits of starting this process well in advance and and pre-arranging uh, the, the kind of services that, that someone like Hoffman Funeral Home would provide? The emotional benefits are probably the number one reason I find that people are coming in to get these arrangements in order. I usually, when I'm doing some public speaking, I, I ask my audience to do this little exercise where I say, close your eyes and imagine the person or the people that you love most in this world. And I want you to think about them. And then I want you to think about what their day is going to be like on the day you're no longer here. And that is who we are making those funeral arrangements for. We're trying to have an action plan in place rather than a crisis plan for when people are grieving. Emotional decisions are often very hard to make because we're not thinking correctly. And just having that in order gives people a path, gives them some peace and gives them some direction on how to handle these things. And so many people have never been through this before. So the the first death they experience is disorienting at a time when they're grieving. And do you find that 
uh, as I do, when especially if we're settling an estate, maybe we did the estate planning, maybe we guided a family through a health challenge involving long-term care, eventually somebody passes away, that you you really need somebody to take leadership if there's, uh, you know, to, to make some decisions. And do you find that uh, in a time of grief, that's maybe not there, that there's no one emerges to take control of the situation. Yes, Patrick. Sometimes there's nobody that emerges as the leader, and sometimes too many people emerge as a leader, and it just causes tension in, in making decisions. Sometimes decisions are very hard to reach because family members disagree. When those plans are in place, it eliminates all of that disorganization uh, you don't need a, a leader to emerge. You only need the family to understand what arrangements were put into place. So it's a very different process if somebody has been prearranged. And I know a lot of people just guiding people through estate planning, and especially it seems to come up in that part of the estate planning where we're talking about what if you lose the ability to make medical decisions for yourself because you've had a stroke or you have dementia or you were in a car accident, you're unconscious. And people are, you know, now we're talking about who's going to make life and death decisions for you. That's usually where people start to share their after death wishes as well. And they have equally strong wishes about that sometimes as they do about whether they get the next experimental treatment to keep them alive. So I've had some clients express specific wishes uh, about how they want their burial or cremation or or what have you uh handled, but they kind of sense that their children are either not in agreement with that plan or the children don't really see the importance of the plan. And I don't know how often that comes up or if that's a motivating factor to do the pre-planning. Yeah, it sometimes is. You know, sometimes family members don't want to admit that there's going to come a day that they are without the one that they love. So the value or the importance that is placed on the prearrangement is sometimes neglected because they just don't even want to face the fact that this is someday going to happen. So yes, I, I agree completely. Um, I had an experience where my father had taken a stroke and at that time, I was asked to make major financial and medical decisions along with other family members. And I was grieving. My father had a hard time remembering my name. And there I was trying to make decisions at a time when I was grieving. It, I feel like I was cut a pass because my father had a really good recovery, but it gave us the chance to get things in order with the attorney, with the financial advisor, with the funeral director. Until an emergency happens, sometimes people don't understand the value. And I feel grateful because, I, like I said, I feel like I've been cut a pass and we were able to get all those things organized quite quickly. But not everybody gets that opportunity. Right. So we, we're, we've been talking about, uh, you know, reducing stress for the loved ones. I mean, you, I love that exercise of having your the people closest to you imagine what it's going to be like when you pass away, because then they can start, the more they, they think about it, they can start to think about what that, what that must have been like for you in that, cir- that circumstance where you, you really just want to be there with your father, but you're also understanding, I, I have no idea where bank accounts are. I have no idea what his funeral wishes were. I, I have to start making arrangements. And we try to work all of that into personalized planning uh, in the from the estate planning context, but it's equally important in this context as well. Um, so, you know, what? just as a more practical matter, too, with pre-planning, I have 
clients who come in sometimes and they're sharing whatever existing estate plan they've had. And maybe they've had it in place for a while. It needs to be updated. And I see that they, in, in a will that obviously Keystone Elder Law did not draft, they have their funeral wishes right there in the will. And as a practical matter, I can tell you nobody's going to look at the will right away. Uh, you know, that the will is intended to distribute your property uh, to the right people, but no, nobody's going to make that their top priority. They want to they have all the funeral arrangements. They want to get through that phase before they start talking about, now what do we do with the house or the money? So, you know, that's the most, press, the most pressing issue when you die is – is uh, is something that if, if the only place you've listed your wishes is in your will, nobody's going to see that anytime soon. So I think, I don't know how often people tell you, well, it's in my will what I want. I don't need to pre-plan. I don't hear it as much now as I used to, but you're absolutely right. There was a generation of people that felt like the will encapsulated everything. And you're, you're 100% right. People used to put those documents in a lockbox at the bank, and if a death occurred on a Saturday afternoon, we were out of luck in finding those until maybe Monday if they thought about going to that box. So there's a number of reasons why you want that information on file at the funeral home, but accessibility is probably the number one reason, is it's there in the place it's supposed to be when it's supposed to be there. I'm glad you mentioned that, uh, you know, the, the safe deposit box at the bank, because in Pennsylvania law, there's a whole process for accessing that. And the executor of your estate can do that, but you have to make an appointment. You have to go through all these steps. There has to be a witness there. Now, how quickly are you? Do you think that you're going to be appointed as the executor by a, a by the courthouse? You know, if there's a death on a Saturday, it's not happening. I mean, so yeah, that that's just not the. It's it is not, and I'm glad to hear you don't hear this as often anymore. And and also practically, some you know, I said that this comes up when we're talking about the healthcare power of attorney and living will. Uh, this just naturally flows. Um, and people start talking about this, that might be an okay place to indicate wishes. But keep in mind, that's for someone to speak to the doctor if you are no longer able to do so. Um, If you maintain the ability to speak with your doctor and make your own medical decisions, it's likely nobody will look at that piece of your planning either. And so nobody's going to know what your wishes are. So the pre-planning route really practically and emotionally is the way to go. So More with Jill Lazar in a moment. Uh, Jill is with Hoffman Funeral Home and Crematory in Carlisle. You can find them at hoffmanfh.com, 717-243-4511. We'll be back after a break in a moment. You are listening to the Later in Life Planning Show, sponsored by Keystone Elder Law on News Radio WHP 580. Now, more of the Later in Life Planning Show, here on News Radio WHP 580. We're back on the Later in Life Planning Show. I'm Patrick Cauley with Keystone Elder Law. My guest today is Jill Lazar with Hoffman Funeral Home and Crematory in Carlisle. Before the break, we were talking about some of the emotional benefits, probably one of the more important things uh, that drive pre-planning your funeral, burial, cremation, etc., your post-death plans. And this is very much a, a holistic part of planning ahead for the later years of life. I'd like to talk, Jill, about some of the financial benefits of doing this ahead of time. What, what, where do you see as, as some of the most important financial aspects of pre-arranging uh, funeral and burial and so forth? 
The nice thing is, is the state law is set up to protect the consumer. So I like that because when you prearrange with a funeral home and you put funds for a funeral ahead of time, set that aside, we are required by law to set that place someplace other than our own business. We cannot commingle those funds. So we use a company, it's a type of insurance, and the money goes 100% to that insurance company. It sits there. Now, this type of insurance is designed specifically for this profession. They don't have auto insurance and health insurance and other types. It's specific to this business. And what they do is they hold that money there, that money grows, and we count on that growth to cover the growing funeral bill. The What we call that is a, a price guarantee. It means that you've paid for a funeral today. Hopefully that funeral is not going to happen for many years, but that funeral is paid off and we're not going to ask for more money at the time of death because we put the whole amount aside, that money's growing, and we're hoping that grows to cover the whole funeral cost. Now, I do have to say, there is always a portion of the funeral bill that's not price guaranteed. Remember, price guaranteed means that it's paid off. We're not going to ask your family for more money at the time of death. But there is a section of the funeral bill that we called cash disbursements or cash advances. And they're items that we pay somebody other than the funeral home. For an example, that would be the florist, the newspaper, perhaps a cemetery grave opening, an obituary, uh, death certificates. They are all businesses within the town or the state with the death certificates, and we have no control over those prices. And if they go up, we may have to even up with your family or your estate at the time of death. But that is the only part of the funeral bill that we don't do a price guarantee on. Right. I guess some things are beyond your control, and maybe this is just my anecdotal experience, but I seem to notice that uh, you don't get as much of the obituary on the the online version of the newspaper as you used to it'll say you know go to Hoffman Funeral Home website and then you you see the whole story and you know that's because there are other costs and uh, and who knows how expensive it is you you can't control the, the the price of flowers and and what's happening there in the world that would cause the cost to go up but um, so so using this this uh, insurance product is how you do the funding of the pre-planning. Yes, there there are other items or other areas where you could put money, like a trust, but most funeral homes in Pennsylvania use the insurance product. It's easy and it's also transferable. So if you take care of your funeral pre-arrangements with Hoffman Funeral Home in Carlisle, but you end up moving to North Carolina to be with children or retire to Florida, you can take that all along with you. It completely can be transferred. So Although we set it up irrevocably, which means that once the money's set aside, we no longer have access to it. We can't give you that money back until the time of death, and we could give that back to your estate or your family. But what we could do is transfer it to another funeral home. So although we can't hand the money back if you decide, hey, you know, I want to go somewhere else, you just have to let us know what funeral home you're using, and we can transfer that out of state. And I like to let people know that we can transfer prearrangements into our funeral home. So if you've moved from out of the area and you've prearranged somewhere else, just let us know and we'll do all the legwork to get that moved. Whether that's across the country or across the street, we're happy to, to make that transfer for you. Yeah, I'm glad you went into those details because, as I've already said in the first part of this show, you know, I'm encouraging people, even when we're everybody's healthy and we're planning ahead with with a careful estate plan that 
that looks out for taxes and long-term care costs. You know, I'm I'm bringing up all those emotional benefits that you talked about, and the financial benefit of doing it from the legal perspective is that irrevocability. There's actually a reason for that 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 I think is fantastic. It's that you know, if you if somebody you or your spouse or someone in your family needs a higher level of care. Well, they've been paying into the Medicaid system, and Medicaid is, for the middle class, the safety net for long-term care costs. But, you know, unlike if you if your care is paid for by Medicare, a trip to the doctor, a surgery, if you need long-term care, the Medicaid rules are, are pretty harsh, and you have to run out of money. Now, hopefully, we're keeping it all in the family, but... I, and I've talked about this on other other episodes of the show, but if you have to basically reduce the amount of money that you have available and somehow keep it in your family. Well, we're looking for ways to invest in things you need anyway. So you are allowed to take money and put it into it. If you haven't done it already, pre-planning is a big part of Medicaid planning where long-term care is, a, is an immediate need. And we'll, you know, we'll send you to someone like Jill and we will have you put money irrevocably into one of these funeral plans because Medicaid says, you know, you can put a lot of money for each person, uh, two spouses, you can do two plans, and that's money they're not going to hold against you. And now your children aren't going to have to come up with the money when you pass away. You know, we're going to we're going to bring somebody down to almost nothing so they can get Medicaid for long term care. But you're putting this money irrevocably uh, into a funeral plan. And that that has benefits for you because you've now paid for something that your family will need anyway, uh, but but it's not counted against you. So I know, Jill, you and I professionally have had a number of conversations about somebody I'm sending your way or somebody you know who 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 you're sending my way, and and it's it's this is another example of professionals working together to make sure that a family is treated holistically, so they have the biggest shield possible for all of these challenges. You know, as well as as I do, Patrick, that Medicaid spend down is a process and sometimes a daunting process. But if you have a good path or a good group of people to guide you through each process, it makes it so much easier. So, so many times people have come in, they've set money aside for their funerals while they're in Medicaid spend down. And as they're walking out the door, they say, this was so easy. This is one more thing off of my checklist that I thought was going to be really terrible, but it wasn't so bad. It, it, I'm happy that this is off the list and and it went smoother than I anticipated. So you're you're right. And I also look at the the pie. Like I I compare it to a pizza pie. Like you have an attorney at the end of life, you have the funeral home, sometimes you have hospice, sometimes realtors are involved. It's all those professionals that bring it all together that try to make this path a little bit easier for for clients and families. Right. And that's why we all keep in touch because we can't, any one of us, do all of it. And I tell people, look, uh, my grandfather owned a funeral home, but that's about the extent of my understanding of of funeral home. The, this whole process, I'm going to send you to somebody who speaks on this all the time. Uh, you know, Jill is, I, and and I get the feedback from people who work with you that it goes very easily, and um, and that's not the case with every funeral home in central Pennsylvania. But but that's you know the experience. It shows that you're out there speaking on this subject, and that people find in a daunting process of gathering financial records for Medicaid to pay so they don't run out of money as a family uh, for long-term care. You know, one thing we tell them is, yes, we really need to nail this this funeral pre-planning. You'll thank us later because it's done. 
um, and it's a way to set aside the money, which helps you with the long-term care planning. And so the people who go to you do reflect back to us that thank you, you know, thank you so much for for recommending uh, Jill. That was great. So, and I'm glad you covered that this is transferable because as I'm talking to people about wills and powers of attorney and trust, that's a question that comes up. Well, what if we decide to you know, to move, you know, we're not currently planning to downsize or move to Florida or North Carolina, but what if we do? So that's a really important point. They're setting aside a significant amount of money, but they want to know that this doesn't lock them into their current living arrangement forever. Right. And we have so many military in this area and they do move around and they often have families that also go into the military. So then their grandchildren are in different parts of the country and they've lived a lifestyle of moving around. So that's got to be portable for them. That's a very, very good point. Yeah. So if you're if you're uh, curious about what I'm talking about with setting aside money and the financial aspect of this for long term care planning, just to give you a flavor of what I'm talking about is the upper level for Dauphin County is uh, $19,760 a person. Cumberland County, it's $18,000. Perry, it's 11500 And York, it's just over 16000 And that's how much they say you can put aside. You can even add a little bit on top of that if, if you're going to have an elaborate uh, reception or fly people in from out of town. Um, and, and it's important to note that these limits are for where you enter the contract. So if you're on the line between York and Cumberland, I might say go to Hoffman Funeral Home in Carlisle because if you need to put aside more money, you can. So these are some of the uh, financial aspects of pre-planning, the benefits of doing it, the flexibility of doing it. More on this when we come back. You are listening to the Later in Life Planning Show sponsored by Keystone Elder Law on News Radio WHP 580. Welcome back to the Later in Life Planning Show on News Radio WHP 580. Here's Patrick Colley. Welcome back to the Later in Life Planning Show sponsored by Keystone Elder Law. My guest today is Jill Lazar with Hoffman Funeral Home and Crematory in Carlisle. We're talking about planning ahead for your cremation, your burial, your funeral, making these arrangements because of the emotional benefits and also the financial benefits. And we we sort of sped through some of the financial benefits. Some of it has to do with the, the, the Medicaid planning for long-term care, just because that is so common. And that's really where Keystone Elder Law helps an awful lot of people. But you better believe we're sending people to Jill. And, and uh, or if they have an established relationship with a funeral home, we're encouraging them to talk to that funeral home about uh, setting aside money in advance uh, for for funeral planning. So th- those are the financial benefits. And I'll just add to that, Jill, that it makes me a little nervous when people say, well, I have a small insurance policy, just enough to bury me. And I hear that all the time. And the only reason I get nervous is because if it's a policy that has some sort like if it's a life insurance policy and it has a, uh, you know, a surrender value on it, well, then they lose the policy when it comes to Medicaid planning. We have to take that surrender because and it's a smaller amount than than the full amount because Medicaid says you have to and then that leaves you without a funeral plan. But as I understand it, if people have an existing policy of some sort, can they can they tell you that and then have it transferred into the type of policy that you were talking about or how would you handle that? No, we cannot transfer it into the type of policy that we have. And the way we handle a, an existing insurance policy in the pre-need world is if somebody said, I have this insurance policy, it's enough to cover what I want, 
I let them know that we will accept that as payment at the time of death toward the funeral. If it's not enough, the family will have to make up the difference. If it's an overpayment, we're going to make sure that the family gets the overpayment back, but you don't get the price guarantee. So although you might even assign that policy to the funeral home, we are unable to do a price guarantee for many reasons. Sometimes people are still making payments on those policies and at the end of life maybe can't make those payments. If they stop making the premium payments, they don't have a policy anymore. That's exactly right. Or it might be a reduced valued policy that's much smaller than what they anticipated on. Or, of course, at the end of life, sometimes expenses are very high with health expenses or maybe some other things that are going on in your life. And sometimes people cash that in out of necessity, and those policies aren't there when we need them. And, of course, the most common situation that I see as a prearrangement counselor is this Medicaid spend down, where somebody just simply cannot have this policy. So you're you're absolutely right. We can we can accept those policies as payment toward the funeral at the time of death, but you're not getting any of the real benefits that you would, the financial benefits that you would of prearranging at a funeral home. I think I was remembering the first part, but I'm glad you clarified the rest of the story. That's really helpful to know. And and another thing that people should understand is if, you know, I quoted the, the, the very top end of what Medicaid says you're allowed to set aside and they won't count that money against you. Uh, what happens then when they pass away and the, the funeral is all done and there's extra money that, you know, the, the service didn't cost as much as what they put in there? Well, there's an overage amount and because it's an insurance product, they are listing a beneficiary so the money that's left over stays in the family. Am I getting that right? You're absolutely right. We would list a beneficiary for the insurance policy that we place the money with. And at the time of death, if there's an overpayment, the insurance company will pay the family the overpayment. And that's money that would, you know, in Pennsylvania, uh, policies of that kind are not taxed. Whereas if you have it in a bank account and that's so use the money in the bank account to bury me, well, uh, the risk there is that that you know any overage amount certainly will have uh, inheritance tax taken out of it, whereas with the insurance policy they do not. Now I caution people all the time: don't you know don't see this as a loophole and and try to buy a you know a, a twenty thousand dollar funeral if you know full well that you're going to have a relatively inexpensive, let's say, cremation, no ceremony, no nothing, because then you're just tempting the Medicaid folks to. Uh, to come after uh, that money, the, the overage amount, um, you know, to get paid back uh, for, for the care. That's all estate recovery. I talk about that in another episode and we'll revisit it again. But I say, you know, err on the side of maybe going a little higher in case the cost of flowers, the cost of newspapers and or obituaries uh, goes up and so forth. But um, but people should know that that generally whatever's left over will go to a beneficiary and it will be free of of inheritance taxes, which is a nice feature. I'd like to shift gears a little bit, Jill, and talk about cremation uh, just as an option. And it, my outsider view uh, is, and I think this is backed up by some statistics from uh, national associations of funeral directors and so forth, but it seems like cremation is a lot more common now than it used to be. Definitely. I've been working in the funeral profession for almost 30 years now. Well, actually a little bit longer than 30 years. And during that time, I've watched cremation rise. So in the very beginning, when I first started as a funeral director, 100% of the families that I worked with 
selected a traditional funeral. Traditional meaning there's going to be preparation of the body for a viewing and a funeral. Oftentimes we went into a church or synagogue. Um, there, there typically was some big service and we were taking a casket to a cemetery. Over the years, that number has dropped and cremation has gone up. So it's been an upward climb throughout my career. And right now, I would say we are probably somewhere between 60 and 70% cremation. I believe COVID jumped that number up quite a bit when we couldn't have services. Oh, that makes sense. So what are some of the most common questions that people have when they when they come to talk to you about cremation? I think the number one not so much a question, but misunderstanding is that they can't have services other than a memorial service. I don't think people understand that we could still take their loved one, prepare them for a viewing, have a a public viewing, public funeral service. And then at the end of all that, instead of getting in our cars and heading out to the cemetery, that's when we would do the cremation. We would we would dismiss the public and do the cremation so we can still do all those services. Most families will do some type of service. We, we do offer what we call an immediate cremation, which just means we're going to pick the person up, bring them back to our funeral home. By law, we have to hold their body for 24 hours before we would do a cremation. But we're going to reach out to the family, make sure that if there's anybody that wants to say goodbye to their loved one, they have that time to come in and say goodbye and then when we know everybody has said their goodbyes, we'll, we'll do that cremation. So I think the questions are usually surrounding, well, what can we do? What, what's available? And, and can we wait? Can we do this next month? Can we do a, a memorial service next month? And certainly cremation makes things more convenient for timing. Sure. I can imagine for, for people, I mean, our, our, you know, children, adult children are, are more mobile than they ever used to be. So if they're in the far flung reaches of the world, having an immediate, you know, getting them into town for a burial might not be feasible. So that is one benefit of cremation, but it's good to know that, that people can still have the, the, the viewing and, and you, you know, that there's an awful, an awful lot that people uh, still have on the table as options. And so does, I mean, so does that mean then that that Hoffman can do the Hoffman Funeral Home can do the cremation right there on site? Yes. And, and this is kind of interesting. So if you look at funeral homes in general, the vast majority of them are in old Victorian homes, often very beautiful, but they're not really designed to be a funeral home. And then on top of that, trying to get a crematory zoned or fit into that building. So And that was our situation at Hoffman's when we were in our old building. When we built our new building, we put everything under one roof, which would have been an impossibility when we were in the Victorian home downtown in Carlisle. So now we have this, this building all on one floor. And the beautiful thing about it is the crematory is right under that roof. So it's private. It's dignified. It's secure. Once somebody comes into our care, we do not need to take them anywhere else. They stay with us. And you do have, you know, one thing, and I I don't know how often this comes up, but there is actually a process, like you said, for people to come in to say goodbye. There's even a, you know, a way that you you have a a tag and a non-combustible material where you're showing that, in fact, you know, this is your loved one and so forth. I don't, because it's, this is unlike the way you know with if you have if you have a viewing you know that's that's my loved one and you're saying goodbye but you know it since you're t- for some people you're taking that out of the picture 
there's still a way for them to to track the this is my loved one and now I'm going to scatter the ashes or whatever they're going to do and and there's still that that sort of ability to have closure that way. Yes, we we have an identification system where the person is identified with both a bracelet and a metal tag that follows them throughout the process. But as I mentioned before, we always ask family members, would you like to come in, say your goodbyes before we, we do the cremation? We set that person up in a casket and give the family private time to spend with them. And if they want to follow them to the crematory, we, we allow that. And we have a room that has a glass wall that you can see the person before they go into the crematory. We don't usually load the crematory during that time, but we often have family members that just want to say, I, I want to make sure it's my mother, want to make sure it's my father or my loved one, and they're welcome to do that. Yeah. Great thoughts. So this is Jill Lazar joining us uh, on with Keystone Elder Law on the Later in Life Planning Show. More on planning ahead for your funeral and burial. In a moment, you are listening to the Later in Life Planning Show on News Radio WHP 580. It's the Later in Life Planning Show here on News Radio WHP 580. Now your host, Patrick Colley. We are back on the Later in Life Planning Show sponsored by Keystone Elder Law. There's been a lot of good information uh, from Jill Lazar, my guest today, about planning ahead all the emotional benefits, financial benefits, some details on cremation. If you'd like to learn more, you're in luck because Jill Monthly does uh, a lunch and learn session. And of course, their website, hoffmanfh.com, has an awful lot of information on it where you can follow up on what you've heard today and gather more. But Jill, tell me about the, the 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 regular sessions where you give away all this information that you're sharing so generously today. I do it every month, and it's typically on the first Wednesday of every month, so it's consistent. If you can't make one month, you can make the next one, hopefully, or sometime in the year. But I do cover a lot of the information that we went over today, but I go into things a little bit more in depth. And I send everybody home with a workbook for them to do at home. I send them home with all the information that no matter what funeral home they're using, and of course I'm hoping they're using Hoffman Funeral Home, but if they just need this and they're going home to another area or they're here uh, because they're visiting a parent, if they need information, I send them home with the information that would be necessary no matter what funeral home they're using. That's fantastic. And of course, I would be remiss if I did not remind you that if you are looking for holistic uh, uh, guidance on the legal side of the planning, which will mention working with a funeral director uh, on your funeral planning and pre-planning, we do a middle-class estate planning and asset protection webinar or online workshop, and we do another one on how to pay for long-term care. Those are every week, usually a Wednesday evening, but sometimes it varies. But you can find that at KeystoneElderLaw.com using the Workshops tab. Jill, I wanted to switch, uh, uh, because we don't have a whole lot of time left, I wanted to switch gears because we have so many military veterans in this area, and I know that there are some benefits that are available to them to defray some of the costs and even provide maybe a free uh, uh, place to be buried and so forth. Can you talk to me a little bit about some of the information that will come up if someone comes in to prearrange with you and you find out that they're a veteran. Yeah, that's that's a great point, Patrick. We do have a huge number of veterans in this area. And one thing that funeral homes need in order to file for their benefits, in order to file for the veterans' death benefits, 
would be the DD-214 or their military discharge papers, their, their separation papers. The reason that's important is that the DD-214 or the discharge papers are the ticket to the benefits. Without it, we can't file for that. Now, every veteran would be eligible for a flag, an American flag, and free some free death certificates, which is very nice. Here in Pennsylvania, our death certificates are $20 a piece. If you get 10 death certificates, you've just saved $200 if you're a veteran and we filed those veteran benefits. There's also some benefits if you are using a local cemetery. We can order the veteran marker, and that could be a flush marker or an upright marker for your cemetery. And if you already have a stone on the cemetery, we could order an emblem that gets fixed to that stone. But the benefit goes way up if the veteran would like to use a national cemetery. And we are so lucky where we're located because we are so close to Indian Town Gap National Cemetery, right off of 81. And if the veteran is eligible, so is the spouse. So there's some really nice benefits involved with that cemetery. They cover the grave space, the grave opening, the vault, if we're going to bury a a casket, perpetual care, and the marker. There's absolutely no expense to the veteran or the family for that burial of the veteran and the spouse. And if both the veteran, if both spouses are veterans, they can be buried side by side. Typically, they're double depth if only one is a veteran. But if both are veterans, they're side by side. And of course, we were talking about cremation. Indian Town Gap has a number of things that you can do with cremated remains. There are walls, which are called columbariums. The openings in those walls are called niches. Those niches are double depth. So both veteran and spouse can go in a niche. If one if one of the, that couple is going to be buried in a casket and the other one cremated, you would get a ground burial. But they always keep the veteran and the spouse together. But with cremation, they could go into a wall or the ground or there's a scattering garden. So there's a number of things to do. If you haven't been to Indian Town Gap, I always recommend before you choose a cemetery, if you're a veteran, take a drive up to Anvil, take a look at Indian Town Gap National Cemetery. And I'm glad you mentioned some of, you know, the ticket to having the benefits, the DD-214. That is also one of the many documents that we uh, have people gather for Medicaid planning. Um, And your discharge status for a lot of these benefits that we're discussing has to be something other than dis- dishonorable. Now, I think you're right. The A flag might still be available, but really a lot of these benefits assume a discharge status that is other than dishonorable. So as long as that's cleared, then um, I assume that during a prearrangement meeting, you would be telling them, you know, these are all the things that you might not be aware of. And, and I find that veterans very often do not have any idea how many benefits are out there that they have earned that they're not taking advantage of. And and I often hear people say, oh, I wasn't wounded in war or right. I don't get veteran benefits. All honorably discharged veterans, and I shouldn't say all because there are certain situations that would disqualify them, but it is the one benefit. The, the burial benefit is something that almost all veterans get. We I do have the DD-214 checked at Indian Town Gap just to make sure we clear eligibility, but it's pretty rare that somebody is not eligible to, right. to go. And there are so many different kinds of veterans benefits that sometimes they're right. They don't qualify for a certain kind of benefit. But but in this case, the burial benefits, I think you're right, are, are pretty widely available. 
in the time we have left, you know, we we've talked about your uh, monthly uh, presentations that you offer, and people can go to the to hoffmanfh.com, and there's an upcoming events tab where you can see that uh, when the next one is. There's one at the beginning of of March, one at the beginning of April, one at the beginning of May. But when people come in to prearrange with you, what are some of you know? Give a sense of what the process looks like. You've I've heard from my own clients that it's 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 uh, relatively simple that you handle it with compassion, but also with efficiency, and it can get done pretty easily. What are people doing when they come in to prearrange with you? The very first thing I do when a family comes in, after I offer them coffee, because I always need to be caffeinated as well, <laughs> so we get set, we we sit down and get to business, and I say to them, "This is what I'm going to do today," so they understand the process. I'm going to collect the information that I need, not only to write an obituary, but to fill out a death certificate, name, address, social security number, date of birth, your mother's maiden name. These are all questions pretty much you can answer or answer about somebody that you love. Then once we have all that information gathered, then we're going to switch gears and we're going to talk about what you want for services. Is that going to be public services, a viewing, a funeral, or is that going to be cremation. What's that going to look like? And I'll, I'll guide you through that. I'll ask you questions to hear what it is that best meets your family's needs. And I'm going to create a price for that. Once all that is compiled, that's yours to take home. I create a file at the funeral home that you could put anything on file. If you want to put sayings or quotes or things that you want read at your funeral, that file is always there. You want to put a song list together, put a song list together. The file is always at the funeral home. But there's also a file for you to take home for your survivors. And, you know, if I'm the one sending you there because it's part of, let's say, Medicaid planning for long-term care, for me, the most important part is get the money set aside because it's part of this spend down that we have to do for eligibility. But otherwise, people don't have to start funding this right away, do they? No. And we have a number of people that just came in, made their arrangements, didn't put any funding aside. So keep in mind, they don't get that price guarantee, but they still have all of their information on file. They have their roadmap in place. And that's a great start. That's often the biggest hurdle is stepping over that threshold of the funeral home, getting the information on file. And then the other nice thing is because it's prearrangement, you have the luxury of time to pay it off. If you want to do it in multiple small payments, we love to work with your budget. We want people to be able to do this. We want it to be comfortable. We want them at the very end of it to have it paid off and say, boy, that was a lot easier than I thought it was going to be. So many emotional benefits for everybody involved to be able to do that. Nobody needs to feel stressed about it. You're not leaving family members in a tough spot when they are grieving your loss. Jill, thank you for joining us today. Um, again, Jill is with uh, Jill Lazar with Hoffman Funeral Home and Crematory in Carlisle. And just a reminder that at Keystone Elder Law, we do a weekly webinar or online workshop. You can go to KeystoneElderLaw.com and learn about middle-class estate planning and asset protection, things you can be doing now to build a shield to plan for those uh, and protect against those uh, challenges and costs of the later years of life. And I definitely bring up funeral pre-planning and how that plays a role in your legal and financial planning as well. So KeystoneElderLaw.com using the workshops tab. I hope you join us next week for another episode of this show. We're trying to give a holistic look at the ways to plan ahead for the challenges of the later years of life. 
I'm Patrick Cauley. You've been listening to the Later in Life Planning Show, sponsored by Keystone Elder Law on News Radio WHP 580.